Christmas is coming, so naturally what we're talking about is Christmas, <laughs> which is awesome. So over these coming weeks uh, in our messages, we're, we're just focusing in again on what the Gospels declare around the Christmas story and, and just drawing out of this again some encouraging thoughts um, that, that we pray would be meaningful for us at this time. So this morning, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verses, uh, we'll start at verse 26. And if you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, we'll put it up on the screen. And I don't think Rob's got any embarrassing photos of me to subliminally work in there like you did with Roscoe. That was sneaky, man. <laughs> so Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So a couple of thoughts from this passage this morning. This is this classic Christmas story stuff going on here. You know, the angel and Mary and the news of baby Jesus being born and stuff. And our familiarity with the story at times can kind of cause us to miss some of the significance of it, I think. So there's value in just pausing and exploring again what it is that is for us in scripture around these amazing events. And what I really love, particularly around uh, the whole Christmas story, is that it reminds us that God is a God who intervenes in time and space. God is a God who intervenes in time and space. See, we read the story and there's an angel who appears and Mary's dialoguing with an angel and we can go, oh, that, that kind of sounds like a little bit fairy tale-ish. Like, I've never had an angel rock up and flap his wings and brandish his sword and whatever else. Like, I've never had that, never experienced that. So did this really happen? Or is this just kind of like a myth or an embellishment on history that developed? But what we need to recognize is that Luke, who wrote these words, considered himself not a fairy tale author, not a myth maker. He considered himself a historian. In introducing his gospel, he defines his style of writing as something similar to a modern-day investigative journalist. This is what Luke says right at the start of his gospel, Luke 1, verses 1 to 4. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So, 
Luke was a guy who was thoroughly convinced that in Jesus Christ, God had definitively intervened in human history. And he wrote to encourage people like you and I to likewise live with the conviction that no matter what we may face in life, we can know that God is present and is active and is willing to intervene in ways that further his purposes. See, the Christian faith is not just a bunch of rules to abide by or some nice morals to try and uphold. It's more than just a nice club to belong to with some nice people, though you're nice people, and that's a great part of it. Central to our faith is the conviction that God is real, that he's the creator of all things, and that he's continuing to act in human history to further his purposes. He doesn't just sit off on a cloud, sort of aloof and disinterested from what's happening on earth. We believe that God is very much present and concerned and active in human history, and that he is in the business of intervening in time and space. You know, as we go through Luke's gospel, one of the features that you see is that geographical and historical markers are a feature of his writing. He mentions actual places. He mentions specific times. And in amongst all that information, uh, there's amazing stories of what God was doing in and through Jesus Christ. And so the temptation that there can be of reading the gospel and even reading the Christmas story and going, oh, this is a little bit out there. This, this does sound very tailish. Luke continues to pull it back to reality by grounding it in actual places with real people at actual times. So again, Luke verse, uh, 1 verse 26, he begins by describing a particular time. He says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a particular place, the town of Nazareth. And he sent the angel to a particular person, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. So there was a specific time at which God intervened in an amazing way. There was a specific place. And there were specific people. And this is what God does. We've got to be important that we don't just um, allow our faith to remain at some kind of abstract sort of level. And forget to recognize that God is in the business of intervening in real people's lives at real times in real places in ways that we really, really know were him. That's what he does. And it's amazing. We can kind of read the Christmas story and go, oh yeah, but Nazareth, oh, it's a famous place. Like that's that famous place from the Christmas story. Well, yeah, it is now. But at the time, as Roscoe indicated earlier, like Nazareth was nothing special. It was a little rural backwater. And people would have asked the question, oh, why would God act in Nazareth? Well, why not? Because God isn't restricted to acting only in special places, like holy places. God's the God of heaven and earth. And we can kind of go, oh, yes, God moved in Nazareth, but he wouldn't move in my life here in Christchurch in the year 2022, almost 2023. And we can go, oh, you know, God met powerfully with Mary and Joseph, because they're Mary and Joseph. I mean, they're like Bible celebrities. They are now, but when God stepped in and intervened, they were no one special. And so we, we need to be careful that we don't kind of rule ourselves out of some supposed list of people whom God is willing to intervene in their lives because they're different to us. The gospel is just about ordinary people in ordinary places at particular times who encountered God's incredible intervention. That's amazing. 
facing or what you may face in the future, that God very much cares for you, that he is very much concerned about what's going on, very much present and willing to intervene in incredible ways. See, part of the good news of Christmas is not just that God acted definitively to intervene in the lives of Mary and Joseph in the town of Nazareth in Galilee way back then. It encourages us to remember that this is who God is and this is what he does. He intervenes in ways that we just know, that we know, that we know that it's him. I don't know what that'll look like for you in the different situations that you journey through, but this is who God is. And so this Christmas, allow the, that to settle afresh in your heart and to foster a confidence that says, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, and I don't know what you're going to do to bring me through this challenging situation, but my confidence rests on this, that I know you are a God who intervenes, that I know you are a God who didn't just stay off in heaven, you left your throne in glory, you were born in a manger, you lived and breathed as one of us, and in the same way, you're just as willing to move in my life and in my situations. This is what God does. He intervenes in time and space. But alongside of that, what we also need to remember is that God often intervenes in very unexpected ways. Very unexpected ways. Ways that are different from what we're hoping for. See, our passage in Luke about Mary, it, it shows God intervening in ways that were very, very different to what many people were expecting or hoping for. There was an expectation amongst the, 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 the nation of Israel at that time that God would do something. They wanted God to do something. The Romans were in charge. The, the Jewish people did not like the fact that the Romans were in charge. They wanted the Romans' God. And they were kind of going, God, when will you deliver us? When will you liberate us? When will you come and, and fulfill your promises? And so there was a sense of expectation brewing there, that at some point, surely God must do something. He's acted definitively in the past to intervene, and he's given us promises of a Messiah, of someone who will come at some point and intervene to turn things around. So that expectation was there. But what kind of got hooked on to that expectation over the years was a particular perspective of what people thought that was going to look like. And so when a baby is born in a manger and there's this angelic declaration that this is Christ the Lord this is the fulfillment of these promises a lot of people would have just gone a baby in a manger like I was expecting a mighty warrior or some kind of transformer robot kind of thing they probably weren't expecting that but you know <laughs> but they were expecting something more more powerful more, more kind of fit for purpose and what God does is just say, hey, the baby is going to be born. Well, that's not what we're expecting. There would have been something of an expectation that if God was going to raise up this Messiah, this Deliverer, that God would probably do that through a special family, maybe through the social elite of the time, through the special people, that God just comes to a poor family in a rural backwater. Interesting little thing that Luke notes in his, in his writing. In Luke 2 verse 11, when the angels come to the shepherds and they say, hey, good news, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Oh, that's cool. That was the angel coming and saying, 
You had an expectation. I'm here to tell you that God is fulfilling it. That little phrase, he is the Messiah, the Lord. That's interesting. Contrast that with Luke 2, verse 25 and 26, where it tells us that there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting, waiting, expecting God to do something. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die, Luke tells us, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. There's a subtle difference in the phrasing there from the Lord's Messiah to he is the Messiah, the Lord. Part of what utterly astounded the shepherds when the angels came and declared this to them is the fact that they were saying, hey, it's not just that God has sent somebody to be his Messiah. It's that God himself has come to be the promised Messiah. So it's not just the Messiah who has come from the Lord, it's the Lord himself coming to fit the bill. And that blew the minds of the shepherds because it was outside of their frame of reference. It was not what they were expecting. God himself would come? In the past, God had raised up men and women at different times to serve his purposes, but God himself coming? We weren't expecting that. But this is what the angels are declaring. The Christmas story encourages us to put our trust in a God who intervenes in human history. But it also challenges us to recognise that God intervenes in unexpected ways. Just because God was intervening in different ways from what people were expecting, it didn't mean that God wasn't intervening. Of course it didn't. He was just doing something a little bit different. And God often does this. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So we pray and we have our expectations and our hopes of what we think God should do in different situations. And it's okay to have those prayers and for us to build up those expectations. But we've got to hold those expectations lightly enough in recognition of the fact that God hears every prayer that we pray, but the way that he chooses to intervene is often very different from what we've specifically asked or expected him to do. And we don't want to be in that situation where we get grumpy or we feel like God hasn't intervened because he hasn't done what I wanted. And what he's actually done is something completely different and far better. <laughs> this is what God does. As Jesus continued with his ministry, there were rumors going, oh, could this guy be the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for? And many people looked at Jesus and evaluated him against what their expectations were of a Messiah, and they went, this guy doesn't fit the bill, so therefore I don't believe he is the Messiah. How tragic is that? They were so locked in what they expected was going to happen that they missed what God was doing in their midst. That's really challenging. So I want to encourage you to keep, keep praying and believing for God to intervene. When we have needs, we naturally go, God, this situation is difficult. I want it to change. Here's how I think you should change it. I'm praying for that. Keep doing that. But don't be so locked into what your expectations or hopes are that when God begins to come in response to your prayers and move in your situation in a way that's different from what you're expecting, that you're still over here going, come on God, when are you going to do what I want you to do? The, the essence of being a follower of Jesus is surrender. 
it's, it, it's not my will, but it's your will be done in every situation, Lord. And that means we allow him to intervene and we recognize that he will intervene in ways that are different to what we ask or think or expect. What we can know is that, especially at the times where God doesn't do what we were hoping or asking, it's natural to kind of go, oh, God, I feel a bit let down because I was pretty sure that what I wanted to happen was the best outcome. God, God knows more than we do. He actually does. And it, it's easy to say that, but it's challenging when our expectations have not been met. And when God has not done what we were praying for him to do, it's challenging to, to respond to that and not just go, well, I feel disappointed. But our faith enables us to know that our Heavenly Father will, number one, always hear our prayers. Number two, always care about what we are going through. But number three, when He does things that are different from what we expect, we can know that he's always doing that from his heart of love. Heart of love. And from a perspective which understands and appreciates the complexities far more than we do. So we trust. We just go, God, I trust you. If I was in your place, I think I would have done something differently. But God, I trust that you actually know better than me. I trust, God, that you have my best interests and the best interests of everyone involved here at heart in the way that you are intervening. And I just want to allow you to be God in this situation and to do things different from what I asked, what I thought, what I expected. So this Christmas, church, keep believing for God to intervene. But recognize that God's intervention often looks very, very different from what we expect. But when it's different, it's actually better. It takes us some time to recognise that. And oftentimes it can, it can not, that penny doesn't drop until we're much further on down the line. But our faith in God's character and heart enables us to just go, God, I trust in you again. That you're a good God. You love to give good gifts to your children. And you're amazing in the way that you intervene. Come and stand with me. Let's pray together, church.